This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome back to the Heroes of HP12, the Wick and Wanderers podcast powered by the fans. I'm Michael Kenny, joined as usual by Adam Cooper, Dan Clark, and Damien Farrar Hockley. Uh, Merry Christmas, gents, and Merry Christmas, everyone. Hope you're all right. Well, as good as can be after two uh, difficult. Difficult is probably an understatement, right? Two very difficult performances, two difficult results, a draw against Port Vale. And Boxing Day's 1-0 defeat at Exeter. Um, It's not... I mean, we're Wickham fans, right? We're used to a bit of adversity. But it's been a while since it's been, I guess, this bad. How are we feeling? What are our current thoughts? Yeah, Merry Bloody Christmas. (laughs) 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 In isolation... um, Saturday's performance <clears throat> actually wasn't that bad, was it? You know, if we've if we're in the middle of a relatively decent run and you put in a performance like that and they nick a, a last minute goal, you probably shrug your shoulders and say, "Oh, do you know what? We'll put up with that." Um, the fact that it ties in with some pretty terrible performances previously uh, and then is followed up by what we saw yesterday um, is a real concern. Um, and it goes down to the same old things. And I don't know how the management just can't see how toothless we are up front. Um, it just seems to be that we're just trying the same old tricks and they're not working. And the more and more desperate we get, you know, oh, we'll try putting some generals out. And he puts a back line in with the combined age of 3,832. We'll try one up front. We'll try three up front. We'll try two up front with two wingers. <clears throat> um, and it looks like the players are just confused. It doesn't look like the players know what they're being asked to do. Um, the press is just completely gone. When um, I remember having a conversation when we lost 3-0 to, to Lincoln and um, X to beat us 3-0, didn't they, at the beginning of the season. I remember sitting here saying, we can kind of see what he's trying to do. You know, we're, trying, we're playing some nice football at times. We're getting the ball forward. Um, and we were quite impressed. But it just doesn't look like there's a plan anymore. It, it, it just looks like utter desperation. 
Um, the players look confused. They're all shouting and arguing with each other. Um, they don't look like they know when to press and when to hold. Um, yeah, that can only be just just either mixed messages or or unclear messages. And we touched on it. I think it was the last part about you know keeping things simple, going back to basics. It's something that that the top managers speak about a lot. Ten Hag's been speaking about it recently, and Alex Ferguson used to speak about it loads. And if if you've read his book, you'll you'll understand what I'm saying. But but sometimes it really is as simple as going four four bloody two and grinding out two or three results, you know, getting a last minute winner off of Danny Bullman's ass and then building from that. Um, Port Vale, we were, we were caught out simply by not having a plan. If we were one nil up, um, we just carried on playing the same way, giving the same ball away in midfield. Um, and eventually we got caught out by it. Um, and then yesterday, <clears throat> Again, it just didn't look like there was a game plan. The players just looked utterly confused. Um, and it's so frustrating to watch. Uh, I don't think we can say it's the worst football we've ever seen because I think they're trying to play nice football, but it's the most pointless football we've ever seen because ultimately all that pretty football actually isn't leading to anything. It's all very well coming out and saying, oh, you know, we've got an XG of three or we've got a, but we've made. 400 passes in the opposition's half but who cares there's as i've said a million times before stats don't matter and all the people who have rammed stats down my throat for the last five years on twitter are now all going oh it's no good having an xg of this it's no good having possession of this it's no good making x many passes scoring goals is the is the main stat and that's what i've always maintained and i think we are we're being led up the garden path by a manager who's becoming increasingly more desperate. Um, and I love him to bits. Um, and I actually don't want him to go. I want him to to see the error of his ways, correct it, and turn results around and, and pick things up. But I think with every game, that's becoming more and more unlikely. And unfortunately, Rob is a businessman. Um, and at some point, is going to have to make a decision. Uh to quote Sir Alex Ferguson, football bloody hell, but it wasn't in the euphoric uh, tone that he used it in. Um, I spent Saturday watching us dominate a poor Port Vale side who are still above us in the table. But, like, we've been saying for weeks, the toothless nature of our side, I was saying all the way through, we need a second, we have to get a second. If we're going to win this game, we have to get a second. And in all honesty, did it actually look like it was going to happen? So we've dominated the side above us, and then we went to Exeter. And it was almost like the, op- the exact opposite. We got dominated by a side who haven't won since September, and we've scored one goal in the last six games. And I just don't know... I don't know which Twickenham side is going to turn up. I mean, at the moment, they're all atrocious, but... How can we go from being looking confident against Port Vale for a good portion of the game? Um, and Derby. Just look, and Derby, yeah. Look, uh, confident at Derby and against Port Vale. And then it was almost as if they went, ah, let's not bother against Exeter. Uh, and just give it away. And they only scored one goal. But I watched the game and I just did, never thought we were going to actually, apart from handballing the ball in, which uh, did work once, but we didn't get away with it. 
I never actually thought we were going to get back into that game yesterday. It, it was such a depressing thing to watch. I just, I just don't know what, where that performance yesterday comes from after the last two games. Where, I mean, Matt Bloomfield's coming out and saying that they're confident, and, you know, they're happy because you know they've got a couple of decent, they got a decent result at Derby. Just sounds like it's all been undone for me, unfortunately, and it, or it looked like it's all been undone for me, and they just look disjointed again. We're um, we're currently living through the true definition of insanity at the moment. We're having the same conversations every week because the same things are happening, and then nothing's being nothing's changing, um, and that's where the problem is at the moment. And I don't know whether there's a stubbornness with the manager, a stubbornness with the players, or whatever. But at the moment, something isn't working. Whether that's the players that don't really understand what Matt's vision is, or whether that's um, the manager who's kind of not getting the best out of his players. We need to. Th- there needs to be some kind of wake-up call. I mean, to put it into perspective, Port Vale were on a terrible run of form, worse than ours at the time. Absolutely shocking. Um, they looked very, very poor on Saturday. So for them to come out for a point on that is is just poor game management on our part at the end of the day because we dominated the game. I mean, it was great to see us get shots on target, but we shouldn't be say, having this conversation where we're saying, "Oh yeah, it's great that we got shots on target." We should we should be scoring goals. Like that's that's what that's what the whole point of the bloody game's about. Um, and then to say Exeter that haven't won. Uh, since September have only scored one goal in however many games since September as well. It, it's just like, what's going on? You, you, you know, we, we can't go to... I know we've got crap form at St. James's Park and we never really like playing Exeter, but that's no excuse. They're a team absolutely void of confidence like we are. Why is it that these teams can drive and get something out of it? And where's our passion gone? The fact that the passion and the fight has gone out this team at the moment for me is the most disappointing thing of all because I think at least if there was that level of fight I think there would be something where we you know we we, we will get something out of something eventually but there's got to be a willingness to change and my worries at the moment is I can't see that happening I can just see us trying to scramble to fit all the pieces together and making a really shit puzzle at the end of it. I can't see where our next win is coming from. That, that should have come at Exeter and Port Vale and it hasn't. So, you know, if you look at the, the next few games, it's not going to be easy. Both of these games were very winnable. We knew that they were going to be tough given our current form. Every game's hard when you're playing like this, but these were the two games that we identified as being games that we could stop the rot and create something to build off of. But Port Vale, 90th minute equaliser, they made some good subs. They made good subs, we made bad subs. And that's obviously something that we're going to get into in a bit. There's been um, a lot of questionable subs happening and a lot of changing of systems mid-game that don't come with the positive effects or any effects that we're looking for. Let's quickly mention, though, one positive from the, from the Vale game. Uh, Kieran Sadlier um, with his first goal for the club. Well taken. Um, and uh, that will do his confidence uh, a world of good. And uh, he did look, um, at least in the first half, to be our best player against Exeter as well. So rare bright sparks there. Um, But the stats, again, mentioned earlier, um, more shots on target, 19 total shots, six on target. That's uh, a significant improvement, but, you know, didn't come with anything. 
and we, we take the lead. We go one nil up, and, and what happens? We take our foot off the gas pedal and we start playing conservatively, and we start taking players off that have been a positive influence on the game and replace them with players that don't impact the game positively. Um, avo- yeah, completely avoidable. That, that that the game against Vale and and both games Vale and Exeter these sides, I mean Vale particularly were really poor, and even their fans were openly admitting that they were like that they, they were amazed that they came away of a point. It was really quite shocking. Um, but Boxing Day Exeter three hundred and sixty mile round trip, massive round of applause to the fans that were there in person yesterday. Um, but where? Question for you guys, and and this was something that we were talking about in chat was switch because you know we we fought at the back for Vale even though we did change it midway through. But yesterday against Exeter, five at the back with JJ Keo and Grimmer in a back three, that's not going to inspire confidence, isn't it? Why are we leaving? You know, obviously Farino, as we know, ill before the game, highly unfortunate. Why are we leaving low on the bench? What's going on there? Why are we going to Exeter and playing with that back three? Only one of those back three should have been playing yesterday, um, and that was Grimmer at right back. Why, when we've got any, uh, you know, two two decent centre backs playing, are we not playing the four four two with boys at left back? Uh, we knew Exeter; they're they're a team that. Will hustle. Doesn't matter where they are in the position. They'll hustle, and we just couldn't deal with that with that back three. And I hate having a go at club legends, but JJ is too slow and old now. Kio was when he joined, so it's not going to get any better from there. And like you say, it's not going to inspire confidence, is it? What frustrates me is that we sat here last Wednesday, Thursday, when the pod went out, and we said. They've got ranking he plays for them. <clears throat> we know that they've got pace to burn coming from behind their front players. We need to put pace in our back line. If we can see that, there has to be something wrong when the management aren't addressing it. Um, I, it absolutely, I, I nearly actually didn't come on the pod today because I absolutely love Blooms. Um, I think he's a club legend what he's done for this football club that a lot of people don't know about and he'll never shout about is absolutely incredible. Um, but you can't just keep saying, oh, he's a legend, he'll get it right, he'll get it right, he'll get it right. What on earth is he and Richard Thomas seeing that we're not? Because if, you know, I've got a level one football coaching qualification. And I look at that and I say, Keogh and Jacobson should not be playing in a, in the same back line against a side with that pace. And that was the one strength that Exeter had was the, pay, the pace of those wide players when they played us. And they absolutely had us in knots at our place. Why haven't we learned from that? Why haven't we looked at the video? And the frustrating thing is when Blooms was a coach, he was so good at the analysis side of the game. That was what he was doing. As soon as Blooms came in and started doing that little bit of analysis, you could actually see that we had a plan. You could see that, you know, we were picking the ga- the opposition's game apart and we were attacking their weaknesses. That's just gone. Um, yeah, under Ainsworth, everybody moaned 
about our game management, but we don't have any game management under Bloomfield. We don't know how to manage a game. We play really well with four at the back. And he goes five at the back, changes the formation mid-match. It, it doesn't make any sense. And the only thing I can put my finger on is that it's desperation. Um, he doesn't know what to do. He's just kind of trying everything in the hope that eventually something will go for him. And it's absolutely ruining me. It's breaking my heart. I, I mean, seeing his interview yesterday, he was just, he looks... He looks beaten. Yeah, yeah. He just looks devastated. Um, and look, you don't want your manager to be smiling and laughing when you've just been beaten, but you can see how much it means to him. It means as much to him as it does to us, which is why I'm getting so frustrated about the personal abuse that he's getting, which is a completely different matter. But nobody can hide away from the fact that the football isn't good enough. And he has got to take a long, hard look at himself in the mirror and say, we have played really well when we've played four at the back. Their performance is under him. So he has to take some credit for that, by the way. He has to take some credit for going to Derby and playing the way that we played. He has mm. to take some credit for going to Oxford, for going to Peterborough and playing the way that we've played, going to Portsmouth and playing the way that we've played. Okay, we haven't had results, but we've shown positive signs. Um, but why we keep reverting to this ridiculous three at the back or five at the back or whatever you want to call it is absolutely beyond me. We don't have the players to play in that position. Just stop it. Go back to the four, two, three, one. And that allows you, like we said before, it allows you to play through the thirds much more easily. It allows you to commit men forward without stitching yourself up at the back and letting people in behind you. I can't understand what we're trying to do. My my concern with that, I mean, you, you talked about the game management, Adam, and you're exactly right. We've gone from probably having one of the best records for game management under Ainsworth. I mean, that's probably an exaggeration, but Ainsworth is renowned for his you know, game management in difficult games and things like that. Um, so I feel like we're, we're actually in a, a, a negative position because if that makes sense, we've gone from having not, not only having no game management, but... I don't feel like my worry is the subs at the moment. There's been three or four games now where the subs have actually been made, and they've had more of a negative impact on the end on the end of the game than they should do. Or we're um, taking because, a striker off and putting a defender on when we need a goal. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And it it it's, sh- it's shaking it up to a point where it's of detriment um, to to the result. I mean, that's now. However many games where we've we've thrown it away at the end, uh, Port Vale, you know, we 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 really should not. That that was that was purely down to the fact that there was a, a couple of changes made right before the goal, and everyone was at sixes and sevens on what they needed to do. Just we were in control up until that point, and as we should be against the poor Port Vale sides that didn't look that great. Um, I just yeah, and and that's the that's the worry for me. I don't know whether it's stubbornness on Bloom's part or what or, or, or what it is, but someone has to open their eyes and go. We've done X; it's resulted in Y, so we don't do X again. And and at the moment, we're not we're, we're not. No one is learning from the mistakes, and that's whether that's the on the players, on the manager, or whatever. Um, I just. I'm I'm at a loss at the moment. I really I really am. And as as, as Adam says, you know, I don't want to speak ill of Blooms because you know I love the bloke, but you know, 
that there's been a lot of times now in these last few games we are having the same conversations on this podcast every week everyone else is having the same conversations as a Wiccan fan why are we as fans the ones that are having these same conversations and that's not being realized within the camp have you guys also been experiencing this recently where I mean let's use the Port Vale game as the example where we score and I just know that two things are going to happen. We're going to become complacent because we're going to look to hold on to what we've got. We're not going to push on for anything else. But I also there's also in me this kind of resignation that Port Vale are going to get an opportunity to get back into the game, and, and ultimately they did. We always look very susceptible at the back. That it always looks like whenever we go ahead, it always just looks like it's it's a temporary thing, and we're not going to be able to 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 retain and and, and hold on. You know, if if our opponents score before we do, then we're fucked because we're you know the, the stats are there. We've never been able to turn around a losing position under Blooms. There's this resignation that we can't turn over our opponents if they take the lead, and if we take the lead, we're not strong enough to hold on to what we've got. There's no consistency, is there? I mean, you look across the whole side. We've said thousands of times before, you know, we've actually probably got one of the best defensive lines in the league. Harry Boys has really come on leaps and bounds. Joe Lowe is much better than a League One defender and, you know, has had call-ups for the Wales first team. Tafazoli is a great defender when he's fit. Farino is a fantastic defender. You look at the wealth of players that we've got who can play right back. Um, Potts has been missing, but, you know, Scowy in the middle. <clears throat> Why are we not just playing a consistent side? And you touched on this, Michael, in, in, in chat. Start your best players. You're not always going to be able to, but, you know, around this time, surely you're planning, when you're playing Saturday, Tuesday, and the Tuesday is away at Exeter, surely you're planning and you play one of Keo and JJ with Jolo, then you play the other one with Jolo. Then this week, you play one of them with Farino. Then you play one of them with Tafazoli. And you mix you mix the older players. You don't put yourself in a situation where you've got to have a back three with a combined age of 105 against players who are young and quick and on loan from Premier League teams who you know are going to be tricky. It doesn't make any bloody sense. It we all said last year the reason that we were so good defensively and the reason that Max got player of the season and kept so many clean sheets was because what was going on in front of him was consistent and we spoke about those partnerships. But every game it's changing. And Max doesn't look like he's got any confidence in those in front of him. Those in front of him don't look like they know what Max is going to do. It's just... It's an absolute disaster. He's got to pick a team, pin his his flag to the mast and say, that's my team. Lyle Taylor had had his best game in a Wickham shirt at Derby and then gets dropped. Hmm. Now, I wasn't a fan of bringing him in but for the reasons that I've already spoken about. But if you're going to bring him in, why drop him after his best performance? You know, we spoke, and what does that do? What does that do to the players? Yeah. What does that do to the players' confidence as yeah, well? Exactly right. You know, what, what is that? What is that telling the player? Yeah, hundred percent. It must be at rock bottom. Um, yeah. I mean, to be fair, if if you look at Max. Case in point at Exeter, if it wasn't for him, we'd have lost by four or five. Because he pulled off two, uh, four, four or five. Some, some regulation, a couple of wonder saves. Yeah, and, he had yeah. to make a couple of saves as well, you know. But let, let, let's let look at it. Honestly, their keeper had to make a couple of saves as well. 
yeah, that's very but, that, that is very true. Um, I just want to go back to the the thing about the substitutions. Yesterday, we knew we were losing the game. We were coming to a point where we're going to have to start putting it in the box, lumping it in the box. Why are we taking Sam Vokes off? Mm. What what are we doing? And bringing on Dale Taylor, who is five foot eight, and is not going to win anything in the air. You, you've got, and then you can put put your players like um, Tefazoli or someone like that. Stay him up front for a little while. You know, if you lose two 0 fair enough. Um, but at least go for it. We didn't even do that. And then taking Sadler uh, off for Harry Boys. Yeah, it just didn't, didn't make sense. Sadler was having the game of his life yesterday. Uh, um, on uh, yesterday, and you know, that's again, that's going to knock his confidence, isn't it? You know, oh, I'm playing really well. Off you come. It just doesn't make sense. And like you say, I'm so frustrated because we can see it. Why can't they? Some damning stats here that I want to put in front of you boys. Um, courtesy of um, Adam Clift, uh, at Clifty04 on Wickham Twitter. Thanks, mate. Um, he's tweeted uh, earlier today, Wickham record with Freddie Potts this season, league only. Played 15, won 6, drawn 4, lost 5, goals 4-22. That's 1.46 points per game and 1.46 goals scored per game. Now, our record without Freddie Potts, again, league only. Played 7, won 0, drawn 2, lost 5, goals 4, only 3. That's 0.28 points per game and a 0.42 goal scored per game. Adam, I know, sorry, a load of stat waffle at you here. But um, that's, that communicate. I mean, is it all just, it can't all just be because we've not had this one youngster in the side, surely? We don't need the stats to tell us that we've been crap since Potts has gone. We can all see that. Um the frustrating thing is that the manager hasn't sussed out a way of playing without him. Um, and ultimately, that's what the manager's job is. But but um, should we be so we should we be so dependent on on I mean he's great. We love Freddie Potts, no, but he's here for a season. Yeah, yeah we shouldn't uh, be that dependent on him. Should, but no. It's it, it's down to the manager to to work out what the plan B is and to have backup. And in your mind, you know, you should have two players for every position. And in your mind, when a player gets injured or when they're left out there should be somebody ready to go in and fill his position. And we haven't planned for that. Um, Is is it it possible that Blooms has sort of basically built his system around Potts and now he has, now he's not there. He's got no plan B. Mm. Yeah, but yeah, Yeah. by accident, totally. But, but he was so good in those games that he played. I might agree with you. I'm going to build the, I'm going to build the, I'm going to build the team around him. And then he's not there, and Bloom's has gone. Oh, I have no idea what to do now. Yeah, I'm, I might See, agree with you if we had a plan A, but we haven't. Mm. See, that I true. so I actually I thought that our team was really, I mean, you know, by accident revolving around Luke Leahy, and and I thought that our performances really started to suffer noticeably after the Stevenage game. And I kind of concluded that we had taken a real bit of a knock in, in our overall confidence because of how much of a shit show that was. That was a really tough game for us to watch and for the players to be, you know, taking part in. And our performances since then have been absolutely gutter. So I thought that it was 
because Luke was missing and the confidence had taken a bit of a knock. But with Luke back in the side, things just haven't gotten better. In fact, I would say they've probably continued to slide. Luke is uh, a, a David Wheeler, Swiss Army Knife style kind of player. And that's that's why, because he fits into the holes we need him at the time we need him. That's why when he was gone, it, it notably went down because at that time we needed Luke Leahy in defence and he showed up a lot of problems in defence. Um, we Again, we're having exactly the same conversation that we've had for weeks. Freddie. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mates already been booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points at the death. Who doesn't love a last-minute winner. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. Are you in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Fox is obviously our playmaker. We don't have any other kind of option. It, it just, but it's, it's been stereotypical of this club for a long time. As I said, last season we had it with Josh. You know, Josh scoured it. As soon as he got injured halfway through the season, our form dropped. And then when he's back in again, everything kind of worked around it nicely. Um, I don't know. I don't. I, we need Freddie, Freddie back. Look, I think we've we've made our way thirty minutes through the podcast without talking explicitly about Matt Bloomfield, and it's a really difficult subject, as as you mentioned, Adam, as as we all know. Uh, and as uh, as you listening know, we're we're very pro Matt Bloomfield. We absolutely love him. Only last week, we were doing a glowing tribute for him, celebrating his twentieth anniversary of his long association with the football club. Um, I think we're. I think we've been very realistic about things. I think things have, you know, begun to reveal themselves. There have been issues pretty much since since his appointment. We knew that he's a rookie manager. We knew that there was going to be an element of growing into the role. But we're at this point now where all you need to do is go and look at Wickham Twitter for five minutes. Less than that, five seconds. And the erosion in trust and support and confidence is the lowest it's ever been. Now, I know that, you know, there was, uh, you know, the usual bunch of um, strange folk who after the first game of the season was saying Blooms needs to leave. We're not a we're not a club we're not a sacking club. We don't sack we don't sack our managers. We haven't sacked a manager since I don't know, correct me if I'm wrong, guys, but John Gary Gordon. Waddock? Yeah, Gary, Gary Waddock. There we go. Yeah, that's a long time. That's a long time. Two thousand and twelve. So, you know, so that's a long time. Um I think I've <sighs> Where are where are we in terms of our collective thoughts on what direction the club needs to take? And um, if we don't sack him, 
what does he need to address? We've we've gone through a bit of a laundry list of things. What what can he put into effect to steer us away from this decline? First of all, I I don't believe he's going anywhere. Um, I don't think that Rob would have backed him with Brandon's contract. Um, I've got it on very good authority that there's already one transfer through the door in January. Um, and another one is very, very close. I don't think we'd be doing that work if there was plans of sacking the manager. Um, and look, none of us want the manager to be sacked. We all want the results to turn around, like I said earlier. Um, this kind of, and look, there's a perception that he's being a bit stubborn. Perhaps he is, I don't know. Perhaps he feels like the players that he's got available to him can't can't play in the formation that he wants to play, so he's trying to fudge it. I, I genuinely don't know, but he needs to, as we said earlier, go back to basics. He needs to sit down and he needs to look at the games that we've won or the games that we've played well. Um, and even if he uses his stats to do that, you know, the games where the XG's been high, the games where the passing stats have been high, etc., etc., and work out what we did in those games that we haven't done in the other games. And the answers will be very, very simple. The answers will be the team has been younger and more athletic. We have, at some point in the game, played a back four. Um, and we have played with intensity and attacking intent. He needs to have a look at the players who are on the fringe. We've said this a million times before. The ones who are in there aren't doing it for him. Full stop. Regardless of how much you love Vokes and how much you think Lyle Taylor's a brilliant player and how much we love McCleary and how much Killian Phillips has done right, uh, how much of a legend JJ is, I take on board all of those things. They ain't done it. Full stop. Folks' job is to score goals. He hasn't done it. McLeary's job is to assist goals and create chances. He hasn't done it. JJ's job is to stop and go in the other end. He hasn't done it. These players need to be taken, and not just those players, but all of the players, need to be looked at and their positions need to be questioned. We have creative players who are in and around the first team who we've all spoken about before. Um you know, who who can come in. We've got players like Luca Woodhouse who could probably come in and play that Freddie Potts role. Um, yes, he probably, he, he wouldn't be an immediate fix to it, but if we'd have tried him in two or three games as a sub, he might have been a, an adequate replacement. We don't know because we haven't bloody tried it. Um, but he has got to get to the point where he goes back to basics and he addresses some of the flaws in his um, in his approach. We employed a rookie manager. We knew he was a rookie manager. And when you employ a rookie manager, the results are always going to be up and down. Now, we we all said at the beginning of this at the beginning of this season, we think a top half finish would be a really good finish. We're six points off of that at the moment, which isn't disastrous. The concern is that we're five points off the bottom four. And if the form continues, it's not going to take very long, particularly at this time of year when fixtures are coming thick and fast before we're in a relegation battle. So I'm not talking about he needs to sit down and do this in two weeks or three weeks or four weeks. 
this has to start on Friday. The idiots on Twitter need to stop CCing Rob Kuig into tweets and copying the club into tweets. Everybody, as a collective, needs to realise Blooms ain't going anywhere for the next two games anyway. There would be no point in sacking your manager two days before we've got two matches in four days. It's not happening. So regardless of whether you want him gone or not, we've got to get behind the team and try and get over the line on Friday and take that into Monday and try and get something out of Monday. What happens after then, I think, will be very much determined by by who we've brought in and the results that we've had in those two games. But there is absolutely no point in tweeting Rob directly and tweeting the club directly saying, I want the manager gone, I want the statement. It's not going to happen at this time of year. Blooms is going nowhere until next week. And genuinely, I don't think he's going anywhere full stop. Um, it breaks my heart to criticise him. I love the guy. I saw him on Saturday. Lockie wanted to give him his Christmas card, bless him. Um, and he came out and we had a chat. We didn't actually talk about football, talked about family, said Merry Christmas, etc., etc. But you could just tell that he is beating himself up. And it absolutely kills me to see somebody who has given given his life to this football club in that kind of in that kind of state. We're all reasonable people. We've all had times at work where things have gone hard. For goodness sake, give the guy a little bit of credit for what he's done in the past and just get behind him. He's not going anywhere at the minute. He is currently our manager. Get behind the bloke and try and turn these results around because it is not doing anybody any good. The players, the supporters, the staff at the club, it is doing nobody any good going on Twitter and being critical. Um, going on Twitter and effing and blinding. You know, constructive is fine, but going on Twitter and effing and blinding and seeing and calling Matt Bloomfield all names under the sun, it's embarrassing. Let's try and get behind the club as a collective and see what happens after Monday. But for the next two games, I would suggest he's going absolutely nowhere. I don't think Rob's business brain would let him sack Matt Bloomfield at the moment, uh, having given him the long-term contract. I think he wants to see if his investment will pan out. I do believe that the first time this season on against after the Port Vale game and straight after the Exeter game, I've let the thoughts of he might it might be his time come into my brain. They were emotional states straight after the game where I was disappointed. Looking at it now, if he can fixate on his best side, not the ones he thinks, you know, he's playing because he thinks they deserve a chance, um, like the generals. Play his best side in each game. And if he thinks that's Keo and JJ at the back, then it might be time for him to go. But if he can get the best side that we've talked about, the four at the back, playing every game, then obviously there's every chance we can turn this around. But, and I, um, I know I'm saying but a lot, it's something that he has to work out himself. He has to lean on his other coaches. Pick your best side each game. Don't pick a side to play that, that team. No, he, I purely think the Exeter um, team was picked on playing against Exeter. It wasn't picked on. I think this is my best side. Best side every game. You won't you won't see the teams at the top of the league not playing someone because they're playing someone lower in the table. They will play their best sides and push home for a result. 
I don't think we're doing that yet so far, and I think that's what's hurting him. But I couldn't agree more with Adam. Let's get off his back. These two two games are vitally important, um, and I generally think one result, one win, could turn our you know it, the confidence will flood in, and it could generally turn our season around. Um, but yeah, get off his back, and let's just. Stop all the personal abuse. Stop all the uh, tweeting to the Kuigs, and uh, just let him get on with it for the moment. He, as as Adam says, he's not going anywhere right now. He's not going anywhere, um, but uh, there's got to be a point where Rob does have to look at, you know, his business investment. At the end of the day, uh, currently we are in a position where the club is in position-wise and results-wise and everything else in a worse position than when he bought the club in the first place. Um, and, you know, we have... Our current streak at the moment is 11 games winless, which is a quarter of a season. You know, that's that's quite astonishing. So, you know, look, I love Blooms. I love the guy. But there's, there's an element of... We've let this kind of go... He needs to fix it, he needs to fix it, he needs to fix it. We've been doing that for a quarter of a season now. Um, if we don't turn this around in January, our games in February after Cheltenham away are Peterborough, Bolton, Oxford, Stevenage, Barnsley. Uh, we've got Reading. Yeah, we've got Portsmouth up until then. Blackpool, Derby. You're literally, if we do not do anything, if we do not turn this around in January... A genuine relegation candidates. That's where we're looking. That's the problem. Because our run of fixtures are against teams that are in form and looking good at the moment. So it is a critical, critical point in the next month. I agree, get behind but get behind the team. Yeah, absolutely. My problem with it though at the moment is yesterday Matt Bloomfield went straight down the tunnel and left Killian Phillips to Go to go up to the fans and take the brunt of the shit from the fans, and that isn't acceptable. That's not who we are as a club. You know, take responsibility if you're behind this club. I know, look, I know the guy loves the club and everything else, but it feels with stuff like little bits like that and the team not fighting, it just feels like we're losing a bit of the personality that made us who we are, and that's my worry at the moment. Is how long? How long before? You know, do we let this carry on for? It, it it doesn't seem to want to change at the moment because there is an element of stubbornness. It's just we need to. I know we are letting heart rule over head at the moment, but when do, when do we let the head take over and go? Actually, this isn't right. I hate to say it because I really hate saying that Bloomfield should go, and I I want him to turn it around. I really do, but we are now looking at a game where we haven't won in quarter of a season. I mean that is is it's astonishing that that is that that defines the season, doesn't it? The Exeter game was um, difficult. I mean, for everyone, it was very difficult for everyone. But I think that was probably one of the hardest watches I've experienced in a in a long, long time. Um, uh, I'm I'm not I'm not embarrassed to say I wanted to. I really wanted to cry at the end. I really did. Um, uh, and and uh, you know when when the penalty got you know when when Leahy's penalty got saved, I knew I knew it wasn't going in. For, for starters, it wasn't a penalty; it was the softest thing I've ever seen. 
I'm really surprised the referee gave it. And I just, for some reason, I just knew it wasn't going to go in. And it just, and I laughed, you know, just laughed like one of those bitter kind of galactic irony kind of things. Um, Really horrendous, horrendous watch to see, you know, to hear the reports that Bloom's, you know, walked down the tunnel without, you know, giving two seconds to the 200 fans that, you know, made the agonizing trip there and had to watch that shit. Um, on it's, Boxing it's Day as well. On Boxing yeah, Day. Yeah, on, on know, Boxing it's... Day, you know. And and you absolutely nailed it, Dan, when you said that you feel like some of the identities being lost. You know, Wick and Wanderers. Look, okay, right, we started, you know, most of us started watching in, in, in the early to mid-90s. I know, Damo, you've been watching since 1946. Um, <laughs> but but, we've, um, but, but we, we've always been scrappy fighting underdogs. We never know when we're beaten. Um, that was really kind of doubled down on during the Ainsworth era. You know, the, the amount of times we won games coming behind to win 3-2, 4-3, a couple of 5-3s maybe in there. You know, absolutely crazy games. And the thing is, is I've always been of the opinion that I would rather watch our side go and get absolutely dick splat 5-0. I'd rather go and get absolutely smashed off the park. But knowing that we were trying so hard to win the maybe we were committing players forward and creating openings and you know but but trying to play football but still just losing and getting beaten you know when you go and you you draw games against Port Vale sides that you should be beating and you're you're conceding 90th minute goals it's unacceptable you're going to Exeter and you're losing like that against one of the worst sides we've played all season who have now done the double over us it's not good enough and and the thing is is look we're one week removed from you know, a Bloom's love fest. This podcast is a Bloom's love fest, but the results that we've had recently, they've not been good enough. And, and, you know, if you were going to turn it around, these two past games were the games to do it. We'll talk about it in a little bit more detail in a second, but Orient Rovers, they're hard games. They're hard games. We now need to go into these games. We now need to turn it around against sides that we're going to really struggle against. And I know football's a bit of a funny old game, but, you know, a couple of things that make things, that, that could smooth things a little bit. I, some more stats for you, Adam, sorry. But win percentage ratios. I like win percentage ratios. I know Wayne Rooney doesn't like them at the moment, but let's talk about Blooms's career as Wickham boss and then compare in context with some of our previous managers. It might help a little bit. But um, mm. updated... Um, with last uh, last night's result, but played 45 games, P45, that's a bit ironic. Uh, won 16, drawn 10, lost 19. That's a win percentage ratio of uh, ratio of 36%. That's not our worst. That's actually uh, comfortably in between John Gorman and Peter Taylor's win percentage ratio. John Gorman, people love John Gorman. We used to play absolute swashbuckling Viking football under him, and we, we you know we lost games, we won games, but we played good football. Um, significantly higher than Gary Waddock's win percentage, thirty-two percent, and um, and it's and it's lower, obviously, than Ainsworth's percentage of forty percent. But thirty-six percent, you know. Um, and I saw someone on Twitter the other day, um, yesterday, comparing him to Alan Smith. And I was like, Alan Smith didn't give a shit. Alan Smith That's didn't give a unfair. shit. That's very you know, unfair. That's very unfair. You know, you 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 can't compare. Alan Smith to the guy that literally put his life and his career on the line 
for this club. And you can tell how much it means to him. I think that's really unfair to do. But I tell you what, I tell you what, boys. um, And as we said in the chat yesterday, um, if he gets sacked, which he's not, as you mentioned, Adam, he's not going to get sacked before Friday. If he were, if he were to have been sacked yesterday, I wouldn't have been surprised. Um, I think if we continue to play the way we do against uh, against Leighton Orient and Bristol Rovers, if we lose those two games, it's it's a difficult one, right? Because I expect us to lose those two games. But what means more to me at this point, and I'm sure it does for you guys, is it's the nature and how we lose. Can we go and lose? trying to play honourable football, trying to play football to win? Or are we just going to play like a bunch of losers? Because if we're going to play like a bunch of losers, then that decision needs to be made. I think the problem is that, and I touched on this a couple of weeks ago, I don't think that these people checks that we're doing are actually anywhere near as as good and as detailed as what, as what Ainsworth was doing. Um, and the problem is when you get one or two in there... Who are who are even only you know ninety percent of the Wickham attitude rather than a hundred percent? Things start falling apart and things start crumbling, and and there are one or two there who I look at and I don't say it in ability, but I say it in attitude. They're not Wickham players, um, and yeah, it's, it, it's perfectly clear to see who those players are when you're watching them. Um, <clears throat> so I'm not going to sit here and name and shame them, but there are. There are a few players there who need to look at themselves in the mirror and say, am I doing absolutely everything I can? Am I going off the pitch absolutely knackered every single game and running through brick walls for this football club? And if the answer is no, put your hand up, ask for a transfer request and sod off in, in January. If you're not interested in playing for, for a club like ours, go and play for MK Dons. Go and play for... Colchester, you know, I couldn't give a monkey's just get out of Wickham Wanderers. If you're in and you want to put the effort in, we'll love you forever. And that's what Wickham fans are like. You know, we've never been a ridiculously successful club. We've never pinned ourselves to a wonderful footballers. You know, our legends are Jason Cousins, Terry Evans, Keith Ryan, you know, people who give 110%, but who have been through the mill with results a bit. You know, they've experienced relegations, they've experienced highs, they've experienced lows. You know, we are a, a pretty unique club. And um, and I think we've just lost sight of what is so special about our football club. We're in difficult times. And, uh, you know, as, as seasoned Wickham Wanderers fans, this isn't... Well, this isn't completely alien and unknown territory, is it? I think we've been in stickier spots than this, for sure. But look, there's no hiding the form. Uh, 11 games without a win. It's our worst run of form in the league since 2009. It's, it's, it's bad. And now we go to two sides that seem to be doing pretty well at the moment. Uh, Leighton Orient, they're pretty much where we want to be, mid-table. They were hard to beat, if I remember, in the uh, in the home fixture uh, and they've done well recently. Uh, they beat Charlton in their last match. They were losing 3-0 against Bolton after like 20 minutes, but they pulled it back for a, a fairly respectable 3-2 defeat. They're 13th in the table, and uh, you know that's not bad for a newly promoted side. They'll be pretty happy with that. We're unbeaten in our last three trips to Brisbane Road. Played 3-1-2, drawn 1, and that's a record since 2010. 
But then let's talk about Bristol Rovers, because Bristol Rovers is the one that I'm really not looking forward to on, on New Year's Day. In December alone, they've beaten Bolton and Portsmouth. They've had the ultimate manager upgrade, and they're currently doing really well, sitting 12th in the league. And and more scary stats, we're unbeaten against Rovers in our last six. 1-5, drawn one, and our last defeat came in 2018. History is on our side, but history doesn't really mean a lot at the moment. Usually, I would ask you guys for, for score predictions, but I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that because I, I, I don't want to be predicting defeats. I want to ask you guys two questions. What do you say to the boys to motivate them after the last two games? And perhaps the more pointed question, there are a lot of people who aren't used to Wickham being in this position. A lot of people saying that they're not even going to bother coming to the games. What do you say to them to get them tuning in or get them at Adams Park on New Year's Day? Well, Adam and I are actually are actually going to Orient on Friday. So, you know, it's almost a hope that kills you. But, we, you know, what I'd say to the players, I wouldn't say anything. I'd just point at the table and go, if you're in, this is the problem we're in. Look at that. We need to sort this out. If you're not in and you want to go somewhere higher, look at where we are. You ain't going anywhere higher with the team in that position. So think about what you want going forward. That's what I'd say to them. For the uh, for the fans that are uh, newly with us for over the last six years, where we've been playing very well and playing very nicely, welcome to being a Wickham fan for the last twenty odd years, thirty odd years, forty <laughs> odd years. This is this is your life now. Um, scraps scraps around League One, scraps around League Two. Um, the occasional happiness, just just strap yourselves in. You know, we've 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 had the days of Joker Four, Dennis O'Leary, Frank Talley with no pose. <laughs> Never a, a true statement, Dan. Never a true statement. So you know, we we've played, we've had some right weirdos play for our team over time, and it was just just where we are now. So strap yourselves in, guys. It's fun. Um, but uh, do you know what uh, you said? You pointed out earlier, Michael. You said that I think you think that we'll, we'll potentially lose these next two games. But yeah, we beat Orient three two, and we beat Bristol Rovers two one. You know, we sh- we've already beaten these teams this season, and those two games were games where we showed a lot of fight. That was the Wickham Wanderers that we expect. So my point would be to the players is show that same level of fight. And if, as Adam said earlier, if you ain't going to show that fight, see you later, lose your place, because you you shouldn't be here. If if you know if you're not going to fight for it, you're just going to give up and throw a paddy, and I, you know, we're not interested. It's that's not what we're about. As I say, do you know what? Even if we get a draw, um, on, you know, against Leighton Orient or Bristol Rovers, yeah. as long as we show some bloody fight, that's that's you know that's a stepping stone that we can build on. Um, I think the main thing is it's going to be absolutely fantastic celebrating a 13-game winless run with some twat and fireworks at the end on New Year's Day. <laughs> How fantastic! Surely is that they get cancelled if we lose. Surely, stunning, stunning. They display. won't. They've paid. They've they've paid. They've paid for it up front already, and it will go ahead as normal. Well, if you hope we I don't are know if there'll be anyone that stick around to watch them. Like us, exactly what I was going to say. There'll be no one left to watch them if we if we are. Uh, are about to lose our 13th game. Actually, no, they will be because they won't be able to get out of the fucking car park. So they will be there. <laughs> That's very true. That is so true. Gents, 
not the easiest podcast to do, but we did it. Um, we didn't do the quiz, unfortunately. We've been talking about the quiz. Um, we didn't think it was right to do the quiz this week, given recent results. It might have been considered a little bit tone deaf, but there is a there is a quiz. It's happening. Thanks for joining, guys. Legends as always. And that will do it for this week. Thanks for joining for another episode of the Heroes of HP12. If you haven't already, please subscribe on Spotify. And if you're loving the podcast, help us out by leaving a five-star review. You can follow us on Twitter at Heroes of HP12. You can follow Adam at APCWWFC, Dan at DanClarkPR, and Damien at Damo1507. We'll be back next week with more discussion on all things Chairboys. Until then, stay well and come on you blues. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mmm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.